All right, Heather. A through Z. Um, let's go J. J. Oh man. Um, J. Um, you know, so there's this letter and it's called J and I've got nothing. I can't even think of anything I can remotely tie to that. Uh, oh, that's the most impossible letter you could have chose. Uh Oh, Hmm. there's just nothing conceivable for the letter J. Okay. Well, lucky me then that I picked the one letter. <laughs> you did. I I've got absolutely nothing. What for about that. K? Um, you anything for K? K is probably the second most impossible letter. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, go for one of them easy letters. T. T. Uh, well, what was it a couple of weeks ago or last week or something like that? Uh, character actor Treat Williams died. Yes, I did hear about that. Mm-hmm. Saw that. Yeah, that's a that's a T. Um, Motorcycle accident, I think. I believe, something like that, I believe. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, that's about all I had for tea. Um, I mean, I guess I could throw this out there. Uh, friend of the podcast, Tucker, that's her to the T Tucker. There we go. Tucker, um, did ask us a few questions and one that does not specifically tie to the movie we're going to talk about today. Uh, he did bring up another movie that came out this weekend with, uh, the movie was, is it elements or elementals or I don't, I don't even know what the movie's called. Yeah. Um, elemental elemental. Yes. Um, and he was asking, uh, I'm trying to find it. Um, or I thought he did. He didn't. Why did I get on that? I think as we were discussing Pixar a little bit earlier. Yeah, but there was something that strictly I thought pointed out this movie. Never mind. Tucker did maybe, not ask a shit about Elemental. <laughs> maybe because we were like discussing what was in competition with this movie this weekend. Could be. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah, because... Yeah, we were talking about the box office for The Flash, and then we were also talking about the box office of Elemental and about how it was dog shit. That was it. Anyway, all that to say, uh, I just, do you guys have any potential theories or what you think possibly might be something that would have led to the 
box office decline of Pixar's Elemental. Um, I mean, I do think for one, it coming out against the Flash probably didn't help anything, even though, you know, Flash didn't do amazing either. But I think um, it could also... I don't know. I feel like I didn't actually hear a lot about this movie before it came out. Like I heard about it and then I would say maybe like three weeks later is when it came out. Like I I just feel like there wasn't a whole lot of advertising for it that I personally saw. But yeah, I don't know if that might be part of it or um, I don't know. Like it almost when I when I saw the trailer, it in a way like reminded me of Inside Out like a almost like a ripoff of inside out, like the, the, you know, the storyline of it and everything. So I don't know if maybe people were like, eh, it just doesn't seem that interesting because we've seen this before. And I don't know, it's, it could be a number of things, but the fact that I feel like I heard about this movie literally right before it came out. So I, yeah, I didn't even remember that it was coming out this weekend because I just feel like I heard so little about it before it came out. Yeah, to your point, I only remember one trailer, and it was just her getting on the subway or whatever and and, and kind of meeting that. Was she water or was the a guy water? And she was no, fire. She's fire, he's water. That's right. That's right. She's fire, he's water. And so they kind of meet each other. And I don't know, it kind of seemed like it kind of seemed like it might be romantic comedy ish or, you know, like a teen comedy or something like that. I, you know, um, just from what I was looking at and I was kind of like, and I could see that there were all these other characters that were elements. So, and I mean, it looked good. The graphics were, the, the animation was fine. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. But I didn't see anything that wowed me or like that. That was like, Oh, I got to see this. It was just kind of like, huh, wonder how that's going to go. And I never heard about an extended trailer. I never saw anything in theaters where it was like, oh, we're going to show you more of this movie. And there's this grand adventure or these two people are going to, you know, the the parents are adamant that they should date each other because they could die or something. You know, I never saw anything presented that that intrigued me more about that story like I got the sense of okay opposites attract and things like that but you know normally you see an extended trailer or you see something or there's a buzz about it or something and it it, kind of gives you the premise of what the movie is I never saw anything at least in theaters and I mean we go to theaters every week and I've been and we've been watching some animated uh, films and I didn't see anything extended about That's this. There were no, yeah, there were no interviews. There, there was nobody like, hey, you got to watch this movie because this is a coming of age story that's about opposites. Or, you know, I didn't see any extended marketing about this. You, you know, on top of yeah. it coming out with the Flash. I so, don't. I don't think I saw 
like I, I I think you're right. I don't remember there ever being two trailers for this movie. Most movies get two trailers. I don't yeah. remember anything outside of the one trailer. And that's crazy. I'm also not familiar with a lot of the voice actors in this one either. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, they got lesser known people to do some of the main characters and stuff, which is totally fine. I mean, that's a, you know, some way, sometimes that's how people break into the industry or like blow up and all this stuff. But then on top of that, there's no fucking YouTube show interviews. You know, none of them are on hot ones. Like, don't they're not doing all the shit you do for movies. Like if you see anything, it's like the cast of the flash, watch them answer questions about each other. Oh no, they don't know anything. <laughs> they doing shit like that for elemental. And you've got, what's yeah. her name? Uh, oh, Catherine O'Hara. Yes. She's in She's the only movie. person I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> Put her on every fucking talk show ever. She is one of the most energetic and magnetic, charismatic fucking people ever. Just put her out there. Just go, hey, just, I don't know, go talk about shit. And then mention our yeah. movie. Yeah, I don't even care if she's in a movie. I'd, I'd listen to her on an interview. Yes. So, yeah. Go, boy, why the fuck isn't she on the Kelly Clarkson show promoting this fucking movie? And it kind of makes you wonder... Were they not confident enough in it? Did they see the movie and didn't think, you know, was the end result kind of like, okay, should we spend any extra, <laughs> you know, money on it? Should we give it an extra effort? Should we, I mean, did they see it and just not have confidence that it could be marketed that way? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure that more goes into the the risks that you take with marketing other than just, well, it's our movie, so we should do it. I wonder if they weren't high on this themselves because the reviews have been very kind of mixed, you know, uh, kind of positive, but definitely lower for the, the standard of what we're used to Pixar. So, you know, and, and I'm just getting the impression Impression that it was like, oh, it's just a harmless, cute little movie. That never defines Pixar to me. Normally, it's like, oh man, you know, this is a this is a Pixar movie. Man, it's uh, you know, they're they're genre defining. They're they're ambitious. They're 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 stretching the 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 lengths of animation and stuff like that. Didn't hear nothing about that when it comes to this. It's just kind of here, and it's about to be gone. Yeah. And that's just you know what strange to me. And this is probably a sign of why this movie did not do well at the box office. Do you know what else this director fucking directed for Pixar? Good dinosaur. Hmm. Like, why are you giving that guy another shot? He already lost you so much money. Why are you doing it again? Because I cannot think of a single more forgettable fucking Pixar movie than The Good Dinosaur. It's so forgettable 
that most people who saw it don't know they did slash also a lot of people just never knew it existed. So Agree. It does not surprise me at all that this movie didn't do that well now that I know that. Um, I actually know a few people in this movie. Uh, Leah Lewis is, I guess, the main fire girl. Uh, she plays uh, George on uh, the Nancy Drew show from the CW. Okay. Yeah, I do know her. That's right. Uh, and then uh, what's her name? Uh, Wendy uh, McClendon Covey. She's in this. Most people know her from the Goldbergs and Reno 911. Uh, she's in this. And yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Outside of that, it's mainly looks like voice acting people. Um, I just, you have some people in here that you could throw in some. You're telling me you couldn't put Catherine O'Hara and Wendy McClendon uh, Covey on a fucking talk show and just let them fucking yeah. talk about shit? And mm-hmm. it wouldn't drum up interest in your fucking movie? I mean, the thing is, is it's almost guaranteed now this is a box office failure. This is a $200 million movie. If you go estimated wow. based on what Pixar spends to make movies, this is going to be anywhere from 175 to $200 million to make. Mm. It would need to make 350 to $400 million to break even. It made 55 in its opening weekend. It is a guaranteed failure now. Well, I mean, you also look at the surrounding animated movies that have recently come out that it's kind of up against two of Super Mario Brothers and uh, Across the Spider-Verse, you know, where it's like the, you know, it's got its competition in the field of the animated or the more maybe family friendly movies that you could go see. And it's just kind of in a spot of, it's going to be forgettable for that reason too. You know, it's matched between these huge mega animated films that just came out. Yeah. And, uh, I do wonder if that ever plays into it, especially when it comes to kids movies or animated movies. Do, do they need to be spaced out more? Even if they're from your competition? I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, do parents, I mean, cause I could see it realistically being a thing. Like when well, we went to the movie last weekend or two weekends ago for Spider-Man, we're not going again. Now we got other shit to do. We'll go again in fucking yeah. July. Well, your movie's not in the theater in July. Like, is that, is I, I, I mean, I'm just kind of posing that as a theoretical question as to what, or a possibility with this. Cause it wouldn't surprise me. Cause most people I know with kids see the least amount of fucking movies. Yep, you're uh, right. Yeah. And I don't think parents and are going to waste their one, date night to oh. go to this movie if they saw Spider-Man two weeks ago. Yeah, and, and it's Spider-Man. I mean, it's it's Super Mario. I mean, these well, are like... All right, Justin. Some of the it, it most might be iconic Spider-Man. characters like ever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it, it might be Spider-Man, but it's also one of the best Spider-Man movies also. So not only True. is it Spider-Man, it's one of the best possible versions of Spider-Man. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. N- not to undermine its quality or anything, but like those are characters oh, no. that the kids know. Exactly. This is kind of like with it with that teaser, would that have even intrigued a kid? Like, oh, there's a water woman and a fire guy and a fire guy or whatever, you know, fire woman, water guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, there's tree kid and cloud girl. I don't know. Like there's, just, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you're just seeing a bunch of things you don't recognize or know. And like, we're all saying there wasn't really an extended trailer or at least we didn't see one. Not in the movies we're watching, and we're watching what the kids are watching. We watch Mario. We watch Spider Man. Yep. We're watching these things well, that are sort of in those family sort of category. We watch the Flash. Like these are all in that age group category. I think and Elemental had a trailer before Flash. It's yeah, playing down the yeah. fucking hall from my movie theater, and it's still the trailer's up there, but it's still the same trailer. Yeah, so would that have even intrigued a kid? Would a kid even remember that that was coming out? Like, I think that's another thing, too. Like, what about it? At least I could kind of say that about Strange World. You're seeing, and now that didn't do well, but still, you were, you, were I saw a preview where I was seeing all of these crazy things, and they were, they were in a colorful place, and it looked like they were having some sort of adventure and stuff like that. I kind of remember that. I mean, this was <laughs> yeah. just we're on a bus. They look at each other and they have that moment of, ooh, they could they could fall for each yeah. other. That was it. That was the trailer. So now, I, I, mean, I just if this don't had see been, that hooking a child. Right. Like, say this had been Inside Out 2 or something. Like, because I think they have a second one coming out. Like, that would have generated a lot more probably because people know those characters at least. And they've seen the first one probably, you know what I mean? So if it was something Mm -hmm. like that, it probably would have gotten a lot more people to go see it than this. Like, oh, these are new characters in a new Pixar, but there's also Mario and Spider-Man that I could go see. So yeah, that's what I think about that. Yeah. And if you're, and if we don't know the characters, if this is our introduction to them, then you got to show me something interesting. What is the premise is there an interesting premise? Is there something that these characters yeah. are doing that I might care about? You know, and we just didn't see any of that with this movie. And and to be fair to the movie, it's got pretty good reviews. You know, it's 76 on tomatoes, 92 with fans. So people who did see it seem to be liking it. You know, it's getting decent reviews. So I don't even think it's a bad movie. I just think they failed to appeal to people to why they might want to see this. I just think that there was a failure there. One thing that worries me is it's 76, but not certified fresh. Which means top Uh, critics did not like it or enough of them didn't see it. Like it's not hmm. certified. Which just means that even reviewers weren't watching this fucking movie either. Hmm. Yeah, you got a point with that. So, I mean, it's just... I I think it's very obvious when Disney has full faith in a fucking movie, 
we're already seeing trailers for Wish, and it comes out in, like, fucking December. You know? Like, we got one trailer Mm -hmm. over the last six months for this movie. But a movie that hasn't even come out yet has a fucking trailer. They're already showing and going, buckle your seatbelts, motherfuckers. We're going for this one. We're going to get 18 different trailers for Wish. You know, we're going to get all these trailers. We're going to get TV commercials. We're going to get YouTube ads. It's going to be all over the fucking place. They didn't do any of this shit for this movie. I don't know. I think Disney, I think, I think Lightyear really, really shook Disney and their faith in Pixar. And the sad thing is, is this movie was already in production before Lightyear flopped. This was already going. But I think that they just looked at it and went, I don't see it here either. It's too late. We've already sunk $200 million into this movie. We'll release you, recoup whatever the fuck we can, write the rest off as a loss. And after we fire everybody that's an executive and responsible for Lightyear, we'll get new people in here and we'll fix this shit. Because I think Bob Iger is the one that like, because they brought him back because that last guy that was in charge of Disney was fucking shit up. And they brought back Bob Iger, Daddy Iger, to write the ship. And I think that that's what he's going to do. And I think that he saw this movie. He didn't see it being a big hit. He's like, release it, make what we can. You know? And he's like, don't promote it that much because I don't want to have to double the budget for for advertising. We're just going to do minimal advertising to lessen the fucking blow for this movie. Because, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, like I like you said, we, we one trailer. And it's just kind of a trailer. There's was no- it particularly long? You don't get a particularly long stint of what the story is actually going to be about necessarily. So, yeah. And, and, and that's not something you do with kids' movies. You don't. You you don't make your trailers mysterious. You know, is it going to be like a fun romp? Is it going to be an adventure? Is it a love story? You kind of got to tell us for a kids movie. Yeah. Is it a coming you of do. age story? Like you got to got to tell us what it is. I mean, there was at least and I don't even remember what movie it was for. There's some animated film coming out where a big part of their thing was saying from the people who brought you Mario brothers and brought you this and like, at least do something like that, you know, <laughs> like to get somebody's attention. Yeah, but it, the, the problem is, is they're yeah. going to say from the guy that brought you the good dinosaur. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> like <laughs> that's not going to be They could have inspiring. at least said from Pixar who brought you, yeah. you know, inside out and Coco and whatever. It's it's rough. All right, are you guys ready to start the episode? Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new DCEU Warner Brothers joint, The Flash. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in both the audio and video formats. With all that, to start us off with spoiler-free, I'll go first. I want to start this episode off by apologizing to a different movie. I want to apologize to, uh, was it, Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I thought that that movie was, was just okay. Because I, when we watched that, that, that was the feeling I got. But I also didn't realize how bad it could have been. And then the flash happened. And then I got to see what a bad version of that movie actually is. I was a little harsh on Spider-Man No Way Home. Because I was like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just them bringing in shit for nostalgia and this and that and all this other stuff. And I'm like, but they did it. They did it in a good way. I guess I took it for granted a little bit. Because it could have been this movie that tried to do the same thing and only succeeded with one of them, really? Let's be real. Michael Keaton was great. Not because this movie did a good job of using him, but because it's goddamn Michael Keaton and he knows what the fuck he's doing. And as a whole, we took him as for granted as a society. Why did he disappear for so many years? Because we took him for granted. Just like I did Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't know. He was the only thing that I thought was that rise to the level of good. I mean, he was better than good. I'm just saying he's the only thing in this movie that hit good level. There were things that had promise, but I don't think the movie did it right. Uh, ben Affleck's Batman. I like what they did with this suit in this. It kind of hinted back towards the 1980s gray and blue suit, which I think is the best Batman suit there is. Except the cape and cowl was a little gray. They didn't hardcore go into it being a blue. I'm like, oh man, but it, it kind of, it was almost there. I liked that. Uh, there's a scene I mean, this might be a spy. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, there's a scene with the, the lasso of truth in Batman. And, you know, he's talking about how Batman actually doesn't help crime because if Bruce Wayne really wanted to 
you know, if he wanted to stop crime, he'd actually, you know, wouldn't be doing what he does. He'd be fighting the systemic causes of crime. But instead, due to his childhood trauma, he's actually just using that as a tool to deal with that in, in the guise of fighting for justice. Super solid. I loved that joke. I know it was meant as a joke, but it's super solid. It's a very good point. It's a very good criticism and meta commentary on the character of Batman. You know, and then the rest of the movie happens. And it's it's either a bunch of bullshit or wildly mediocre at best. And that's it for the rest of the movie. And it's so long. Isn't the official runtime of this movie 924 hours? Jesus Christ, this movie is long. For it being about the fastest fucking character in all of comics, it is the longest and slowest movie that could possibly be imagined. And it's uninteresting. The emotional depth really doesn't land to me. I know a lot of people are saying it's the most emotionally deep comic book movie you'll see and all these things. And I'm like, is it? Is it, though? Ezra Miller saying words whilst having a somewhat sad face. I don't know. Doesn't invoke any emotion in me. I know I'm not the best standard bearer when it comes to that. But fuck, it was flat. I just, it never really resonated in any way, shape, or form. You've got some of the weirdest visuals I've seen in a $200 million movie. And I don't mean that in a good way. You can have some good, weird visuals. I mean, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse does that with Spider-Punk. That's weird visuals. But it's effective and good and stylistic and obviously intentional. I'm sorry, I don't believe the director when he comes out later and says, no, 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 these shitty visuals, that was intentional. I don't quite buy it in this movie. Because nothing feels like it's got any real art or purpose behind it. And then you have the the elephant in the room. You have the Ezra Miller problem. And this movie does nothing, nothing to get away from that. 99.95% of this movie has his fucking face on the screen. Because, and this isn't a spoiler, there's two of him. There's fucking two of him. So he's always on the fucking screen. And he's kind of too terrible of a person to get away with that. And Warner Brothers thought they were doing the smart thing by just completely ignoring it. If we just ignore all the terrible fucking things Ezra Miller's done. People will forget about it when they see this movie. And I'm like, oh, it's a 924-hour-long fucking advertisement for how much of a garbage person he is. 
It's bad. I, I, I'm kind of glad that the DCEU is dying. Because it needs to. Because the sad thing is, is this is bad, but it's kind of middle quality for what the fuck they put out. Actually, it might be slightly top tier for what they put out. Because they put too much garbage out there. Of all the movies they've released that are a part of the DCEU, they've got what? Two movies that are fucking good? With Wonder Woman and fucking Suicide Squad? I know other people might say Zack Snyder's Justice League, but I'm like, yeah, it took him two tries to get that, though. So I'm going to deduct points. I didn't like it, but I mean, a lot of people did. I'm still going to say that that might be, you know, a slightly lower tier just for the fact that they had to do it twice to get that. Yeah, you can always do What about do- Aquaman? You, do you consider Aquaman decent? It's decent. But just say a good like. Yes, good. Like actually like good, like super quality. Okay, yeah. I got you. Of high quality movies, they've got Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad. The second one, don't get me wrong. They had to get that James Gunn to come in and fix their shit. You oh, know? didn't you like Birds of Prey? Did you like Birds yes. of Prey? Yes, oh, you're right. That's 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 a that's a, that's a good one to you. Honestly, I kind of forgot about that because that's just it's so inconsequential to the fucking DCEU. You know what I mean? Like in the end, they fucking True. did nothing with that either. Unfortunately. No, you're right, Justin. Mm. I I stand corrected. They had three. And we're just looking at movies, right? Yeah. We're not looking at Peacemaker. We're not including no. Peacemaker or so none. We're not that including would up it a lot if we all were. <laughs> of their good material. We're just saying out of the movies, yeah. they have movies. about three really good. Okay, gotcha. And I'm talking about strictly the DCEU. I know I did not like the Batman. You know, with Robert uh, Pattinson. But, you know, that's not DCEU. They've kept that separate, you know. Um, I mean, next here you've got Aquaman, and he's kind of by himself with that one. You know? I mean, that's, like, even though I didn't like it, that's where I would put Justice League Snyder Cut. Would I put that on the Aquaman level? Because, like I said, they had to do it twice. You you, You get, you know... You know how, like, if you didn't turn in your homework on time, your teachers in high school would have to let you turn it in late for partial credit? I'm kind of doing that with Zack Snyder's Justice League. You're only going to get partial credit because, you know, you've got a makeover to do it. Um, and then under that, maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of all their movies. The next tier, I think, would be Man of Steel. Um, and then the, I think it's kind of by itself. I'd then put the next tier, I'd kind of put this and BVS. I think they're kind of on the same tier. Uh, and and the, the Weed and Justice League. I put BVS, the Weed and Justice League, and this all right in the next one. And then you get to follow that up with what? Wonder Woman 1984 and the other Suicide Squad. And I'm not going to lie, probably the next Aquaman. 
you know, the movie that was supposed to come out, what, a year ago, still have another six months till it comes out. And we still haven't even seen a fucking trailer for it. Oh, yeah. They're, it's being Black Widowed. <laughs> it is. Oh, they're Black Widowing the fuck out of this movie. You know, they've even, they, Warner Brothers has even come out and said, we've officially now ended the DCEU. And now we're going into the James Gunn Gods and Monsters DC universe. I'm like, you still have another fucking movie coming out. Like, what the fuck? And I think that this movie is just kind of indicative of what the fuck the DC cinematic universe has been. They would go, hey, what's the most popular story we can do from this character? Oh, hey, let's do Flashpoint. Let's do Death of Superman. Let's do, you know what I mean? They just handpick the stories that they're like, oh, the big, this is like the ninth time they've done fucking Flashpoint. They did it in the comics. They did it on the TV series. They did an animated movie on it. Now they're fucking doing this. There are other Flash stories, DC. He's been around since, what, the 60s? 50s? No, 50s. The original Flash was the 50s, right? There are other Flash stories that fucking exist. Why do you default to fucking Flashpoint every time? And then on top of that... Why do you go to the worst version of Flashpoint? Why do, you don't even do a good job of it. You go, hey, let's just get three people and fucking call this Flashpoint. Do, 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 do. Fuck, man. No wonder Warner Brothers last year had so many financial issues. They could fucking release two movies. That's one of the reasons why Aquaman and Flash got pushed. They could not afford to release them. But somehow they they can afford to release Don't Worry, Darling. God, Warner Brothers is fucking hitting so well. I forgot that was them. Yeah. Fuck. For a company that owns HBO, they are fucking stupid. God. I mean, there is a running gag in this movie. That has to deal with the Flash's tooth falling out. Yeah. Rick Rowling laughing on that one. Oh, that's a great fucking gag. The fuck is this movie? <laughs> yeah. I've barely talked about question. it. And I feel like I've said everything. Because I feel like I've talked about this movie with the same amount of gusto and effort that they fucking put into making this film. And, you know, to also do press to cover up fucking Ezra Miller and all of their fucking garbage. I'll go into more of that later, too. Uh, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about The Flash? Cool, cool. So... I'm kind of in a, um, a an interesting place with this movie. Um, I was privy to the stuff with Ezra Miller. I had looked up kind of 
some of the videos and some of the bad press and looked at some stories about what he did and kind of saw the whole apology thing and him talking about his mental health and stuff. And it all kind of felt too little, too late, especially like after he had done so many things. So I kind of knew all of that going in. And I think really going into this movie now, the flash is not one of my favorite characters. I never really read a lot of the flash and I'm not familiar really too much with what happens in the, in the flash point comic book story. And I never saw it on the TV show. I never watched the animated version of this. So all I know is little cliff note bits and pieces about it. I knew that it was a time travel story involving him. I knew it had to do with him traveling back in time, but I didn't know all the specifics. I didn't know why or any of that stuff. So I'm kind of coming in with no knowledge of any of that. I don't really have any fandom for this Flash character other than just, you know, seeing him in Justice League stuff and stuff like that. And I always thought, okay, he's okay. He's kind of cool. I like the character design, but he's never been a character I followed per se. Um, I just always thought Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. I just always thought they were the far Trinity. more interesting. Yeah. I just always found them more interesting. And maybe that just led to me not caring that much about the flash. So really with this movie, I guess you could say I went in with very low expectations. I didn't expect much from this movie. I didn't e expect much of anything. I figured that I would at least enjoy uh, Michael Keaton coming back and being Batman 89 for a bit. I figured that I would at least enjoy the nostalgia of that. But honestly, I wasn't expecting too much from this movie. And I'm going to be honest, by the time the movie was over, I don't think I hated it. I don't I don't think that I loved it either. I, I could definitely say I didn't love this movie or anything like that. But when it ended, I didn't hate it. Um, it, it got me to laugh a few times. I you know, some of the comedy I thought was genuinely funny. The, the that part that you were talking about with the lasso of truth and Batman and flash that I, that got a genuine laugh out of me. I did laugh at that part. And, and there are some scenes where, um, where I thought that some of the gags worked. I thought that for the most part, the tone of it was pretty consistent. Like they, it, it was pretty comedic and it kind of kept that lighter tone throughout. So I thought that it was pretty consistent tone wise. The story, um, albeit is a time traveling story. So of course there are going to be things about it that don't make any sense. And you could probably argue that it doesn't all perfectly come together or how was the timeline fixed? Or when you get to the resolution, you have questions about like what happened and stuff like that. 
And then you could even argue at the end was a lesson really learned because the character is supposed to have learned a lesson, but then we kind of didn't learn it. So, I mean, there are those. So there are some narrative problems with this. But I can't say that there were parts that I didn't enjoy. I, I can't say that there were parts that I didn't laugh at. And, and overall, some of the cameos they did and some of the nostalgia stuff they did, I thought was kind of cool. You know, I thought some of it did work for me. So overall, I guess, uh, you know, I ended with, you know, I think there was more of this that I liked than what I hated. And I, I mean, I got to give it to Ezra Miller. I, it, it was not the worst performance that, that I've seen in some of these movies. And I think you're right. He's in the movie quite a bit and he has to play basically two versions of himself. And, you know, th- and this doesn't absolve any of the things that he did. That is a very troubled person. And he's going to he's got a lot of soul searching and fixing to do with his personal life. But I thought he handled playing two versions of himself and having to do it constantly in the movie. I thought he did all right, you know, and I think that's about where I landed with this movie. It's all right. It's not the worst DCEU. I think it's way better or maybe not way better, but I definitely think it's better than like, you know, Wonder Woman 84. I think it's better than BVS. I think it's better than that first version of Justice League. I do think it's better than those. If it were me, I'd probably put it just under Aquaman, like probably right there. So like if you start at the top of it, which is like your Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and then maybe under that tier is like Aquaman and, you know, maybe Man of Steel and stuff like that. I would say that this is just under that. Like, it's just under that. I think it is probably the worst of their better movies. But I, or, but I wouldn't say it was the best of the worst. I think it's the, it's probably the lower ranked of their better films. But, uh, you know, so and and I don't know. Maybe it's just because I had low expectations. Maybe it's because I don't know anything about the Flash to be disappointed in what they didn't do or what they tried or what they failed to execute. So I'd be interested to see kind of how you expound on this versus the actual flashpoint storyline. But for me, I think more of this worked than didn't work. And overall, I did not hate my time at the movies watching this. So eh, I I guess that's where I fall. I thought it was all right. Slightly envious of you, Justin. We had, (laughs) we had opposite times at the movies. (laughs) Heather, what about you? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the Ezra Miller of it all does kind of affect my opinion of the movie. And I think that's expected, sort of. Um, But I feel like just in general, um, my biggest issue with this movie is the fact that the character of Barry is 
a little bit, I mean, I think Barry's a little too annoying for me to really invest in him. Like I just, I found a lot of things that he did very just annoying. Like he's, he's just a character that he doesn't have that like charm or anything about him as the flash, like kind of like the comparison that you made with no way home Sterling Tom Holland, actually, I mean, all of the Spider-Men kind of have that like charisma about them to where it works, that they're like slightly annoying and like kid-like in some ways, but it works because of just how the characters are done. And it works because they're just, I don't know, the characters are drawn in a less annoying way, but I just feel like everything that Barry did was super annoying. So I don't know. Um, I think that was the biggest thing because I just... I, I would have liked to have felt more like I liked the main character in the film than I actually did, unfortunately. So that was really my biggest issue with this film. And I think that um, I totally agree that the best part about this movie was actually uh, Michael Keaton. I think he was definitely the best thing about it. Both of the Batman in this, in this movie, I think were, were great. Um, even even if they weren't in it super lot, but they, they really brought something to it. But yeah, I mean, Michael Keaton just doing his thing was lovely and it was really nice to see him back. And so, yeah, I, I appreciated that. Um, I honestly, um, you know, there's, there's some characters that I think could have been done a little bit differently, but for the most part, I mean, it's, I just feel like the characters that are supposed to be a little bit more main aside from Michael Keaton, there, there's just not enough there to draw me into them that much into the story. So yeah, I think that's sort of why this one, even though I don't think it's a terrible movie, I wouldn't even consider this to be a bad movie. It's, it's okay. But I think if, if there was something that drew me to the actual characters of the movie more, I would, I would have liked it more. And I just didn't care enough about Barry or the flash in general, like you, you feel for his story, but I just, there's nothing about the flash that really makes me be like, he's the best. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not, but yeah, I mean, the action was okay. Yeah. I think there were some good moments of action in this. I think that there were some humorous moments to it. Um, there's a, a running gag too about like just, 80s movies and how they're different and stuff which is really funny um yeah I think that there were some humorous moments to it but overall I feel like it's a movie that put a lot of things in it but I just don't know if at the end by the end of this movie they really um made anything that you feel like mattered (laughs) um so I think that's sort of where it kind of fell flat for me but again, it was entertaining enough for me. It was okay. Um, not bad, but again, not the best. So yeah, it was fine. It was a fine movie. Recommendation and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Go in reverse order. Heather, what's your recommendation and score? 
if you like superhero movies, yeah, but again, it's my recommendation. It's hard to actually recommend this movie just because of not wanting to support the main person in this movie. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, that does kind of affect my recommendation. If it weren't for that, my recommendation would be like, sure, it's a decent superhero movie, not bad. But um, yeah, I, I, but I think it's it's nothing to write home about necessarily, but I've definitely had a worse time at a movie. And at, even at a superhero movie, I've had a worse time. So watch it if you want. I, I don't think it's necessary to go to a theater for it. I don't think they do anything spectacular theater only wise, if that makes sense. But it's, it's hard to recommend it because of other reasons, but, um, it's, it's an okay movie. I I'll give it a, um, mm, uh, oh gosh, this is hard to score this one. I I'm deducting a few points for it just because of my expectations of it and everything. But I think, um, I'll give it a 69. Um, (laughs) I know that blue Sterling away. I'll give it a 69, uh, catching falling babies in a microwave out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? All right. So I would say, yeah, I mean, I definitely see what you're talking about, Heather, with with everything that's going on with everything that's going on with Ezra Miller, a person who has been following that and you care about that, then nothing in this. I, I would definitely not be like, oh, yeah, you should. <laughs> still go see this uh, d- despite your feelings on him and what he's done as a person and things like that. You know, that if you feel strongly about that and, um, and you want to know if you should, if there's anything here that would, I guess, convince you or convince a person to, um, to, to want to see this, I can't say that. The, the movie, it's not like he does something here that sort of redeems himself or that anything happens here that is going to change your mind about Ezra. So in that spirit, I, I just, if, if that is your issue, then I can't really recommend it. Uh you know, you're not going to see anything here that's going to change your mind about Miller. Um, as a movie, I, I thought it was, like I said, it's all right. It was entertaining enough. There's the, the, the There were enough good performances and there were enough funny moments to where I think that it's at least fun enough to be tolerable and just a, a decent time at the movies. I think I could 
every single thing. You know, you know, you have a okay time. Is it worth going in and spending money on? No, no. Is it worth going and seeing despite all my bad press? No, no. Really, I can't even recommend it. Oh, you need to see this because it's going to be future stuff because we know that the DCCU is. Pretty much, pretty much over, and they're and they're and one of us practically bragging about about it being over. over. So so nothing nothing here, here is going to, going to be or continue or, or be anything. anything. So it just so it just kind of feels like one of those one of those superheroes that was just there, just there that just that sort just of came, came out of somewhere, and I just I just imagine it will. Be, be just just got gotten and tossed to the wayside, wayside eventually. eventually. Um, um, but but with all that being said, said, it was okay. It was, it was kind of fun. I mean, I mean, I guess like you like Mike Keaton, and you're, and a, you're fan a fan of Batman. Not, 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 which I know there are people that were just like super excited that it was going to be in it. He might be worth seeing again. You know, even if you care nothing about Flash, just to see him beat Batman one last time, but this is the last time. It might be worth it just to see what Michael Keaton does with Batman one last time. And and like y'all said, nobody else was stand out or anything or if it, or, or all the other characters. I mean, I think everybody was, all the other characters besides Miller were okay. It's just that some of them, we didn't get much of them. We didn't get much development with them. So it's just like, well, they look kind of cool or the, the, the uh, you know, I don't mind the acting I'm seeing, but the story just, the material just didn't give them much. So like Michael Shannon and people like that, or they're fine, they're cool, but you know they just don't get much in this story. The the this, the movie has a focus on the flashes in this on the, uh, on our flash people. So everybody else just kind of gets sacrificed for that. So I don't know, man. Take it for what you will. It doesn't seem like very many people are watching this anyway. So. It, you know, I, so I I don't even know if it's enjoyable enough to win people over. It's definitely not that good. So it'll probably just remain where it is. It'll exist. <laughs> it'll be there. Uh, a few fans will watch it, and then we'll just move on with our summer lineup. So with that being said, we'll go. I mean, I think I liked it more than a mid-level score. So... We'll go uh, 60 lesson learned, lessons learned about time travel and then still like breaking the rules about the lesson you learned out of 100. Two monstrous scores from you guys. You give them like a DCEUA. Um, I don't recommend this. Uh, if it's on HBO Max, like it will eventually be, sure. There's zero reason to go see this in the theaters. As much as it's supposed to be a big special effects laden event of a movie. It can wait. 
you watch it somewhere else. No rush. You know. If you if you wanted to watch it in 2027, that might be even better. Just because, you know, you have more time to mentally prepare for this movie. How dog shit it is. I'm going to go the opposite direction of you guys. Twenty nine. Twenty nine pieces of random Kryptonian metal stuck in you as you go back in time over and over again, collecting it until it is a piece of armor. Out of a hundred. So. That would make its official Cinescore. God, an ungodly high fifty three. monumentously high. Spoilers? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Spoilers! All right, first and foremost, a few things. Little history on Ezra Miller, for those that don't know. Uh, The first thing would be around the time... uh, the first Justice League came out, I want to say, the Weeding Cut, somewhere around there. Um, Ezra Miller just straight up choked a woman to the ground in, like, Norway or something like that. Just grabbed her by the throat and choked her as she went to the ground. That was fantastic, and that was also caught on camera. You can watch that video if you were so inclined to see how big of a piece of shit he is. Uh, After that, Ezra Miller kind of laid low for a little while. Didn't do anything until after they were in two shitty Harry Potter movies. And then they went and attacked some people at a bar, uh, broke into somebody's house... Um, was sending suggestive messages to an underage girl. Um, all of those fantastic things. Uh, I think there was another thing with a bar in there too, where he tagged somebody or threw a chair or something like that. And just all of that awesome shit that one does. Uh, wow, I didn't hear about the underage girl. I heard about the bar thing. Yeah, and I heard the, about another some sort of like assault. Yeah, he was he was thing. living with some people. I didn't hear about that. And they told him to get the fuck out, and he was like, "No," and started going ape shit and started destroying their fucking house. Yeah, it's considered a break in at that point. Because he wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be there anymore at that point. Um, yeah, fantastic. No, the story of when they uh, were messaging an underage girl, it was somebody he was living with in Hawaii, or they were living with in Hawaii, and it was their daughter. Like, he was just paying to live at their house, or they, and he or they were... Yeah, just messaging their underage daughter. Now, 
she was, I think, 16 or 17 at the time. It's legally borderline at best. Morally, there's all kinds of, you know, other implications in it. But legally speaking, it was borderline at best. Uh, the girl denies it, of course, and just says, you know, he was looking or they were looking out for her. The mother, on the other hand, who said that she had read the messages was like, no, that's not what was going on at all. That it was very much screaming a, you know, grooming type of situation. Because the mother had stopped them from wanting to have contact anymore. Yeah, had tried to stop them from having contact anymore. And they were doing, you know, still talking behind the mother's back. And they were, you know, and Ezra was like, hey, we got to keep this our little secret. So when you're talking to somebody that's borderline underage and you're like, hey, we need to keep this our right. little secret. I so, didn't hear about that. It's not typically because you were Damn. doing outstanding citizen things. Wow. Type of stuff. You know, I don't know all the details. I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody ever will. But do we know why they attacked that woman? At the bar, or did was there like a reason for it? The the one in Norway, one of those yeah. Scandinavian countries. Um, my understanding is the woman was, and even this is also according to the woman. They were like talking shit to Ezra Miller, but like kind of like joking, you know, like saying some shit and laughing and whatever it was. Ezra got mad and like grabbed her by the fucking neck. It was something like that where like the people that were with the woman and everything, like, it was, you know, everybody thought everything was like funny and like everybody was having fun. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam, somebody's being choked. Like everyone was caught off guard by it. Nobody thought that that's where that situation was going. Um, so that's a whole, whole other story with it. Um, one other thing I want to say, too, with this, uh, we do realize that Ezra Miller does use the pronouns they, them. You might also hear us say he. I know I just did a little bit ago. Um, that's not intentional. That's a, that is an accidental yeah, thing. My bad. And it is, it's also tough because it's a they, them actor playing a he, him character. In the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. That's in, my bad. In your head. He identified as that. Exactly. In your head, you're just going to cross it. You know, because you're, you, you might be talking about Ezra Miller, but you're thinking of the performance of the character Barry. Yeah. At the same time. And that's what I was, that's yes. what I was referring to in my review as yes. well was Barry specifically. Yeah. Yes, and I, I just do want to openly acknowledge that none of the, if if we do it, it's not intentional. And, you know, it, it it is just kind of a slip of the tongue situation due to the fact that, like I said, it's a they, them actor playing a he, him character. It will cause some wires to be crossed. So, you know, when when, when speaking. So do not... Take that as we are not 
supportive of people using the, their preferred pronouns or anything like that. It, if it does happen, it is unintentional. Um, I just want to say that as a general blanket for the rest of the episode, because like I said, I know in the intro part of it, I was saying they, them, but then when we were talking about the backstory of what Ezra Miller was doing, I started saying he, like it, 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 it happens. It's unintentional. And we will try to be as respectful of that as we can. Also given he's, they are a terrible person. But we do respect other people that also have preferred pronouns. And we want to just show, you know, a re- united and, and, and respectable front with that. So we do apologize if we do misspeak in this. Like I said, there's no, uh, you know, ill intent or anything like that. We are supportive of it, even if we verbally fuck it up. And with all that, I mean, so at the very end of this movie, there's a George Clooney cameo. And it's fine. It's not offensive. It's fine. But then they do the tooth falling out of his fucking mouth. It is so dumb. <laughs> like, what What the fuck does that do for your movie? Yeah. What's a, what purpose? Why did they film those scenes? Yeah, the whole thing about the tooth. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> It's a yeah. I didn't, I didn't get it. It's a nothing gag. There's nothing to get. It's dumb. Also, I I get that when he's in his little time orb thing, and the way they do like the time travel aspect of it all. I get that that was a stylistic choice to make them kind of look like cell shaded. You know almost comic booky type of, you know, thing whenever they did. But it did look dumb. Like that part I'll buy that that was intentional, that that was a stylistic choice for that. It just looked bad though. Like if you're making an artistic choice, make one that's artistic. Don't make one that looks bad. On the other hand, though, that opening sequence with the babies, that looks horrendous. That's not an artistic choice. Those fucking babies looked like they were from an episode of Gumby. They looked bad. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not artistically choosing to go... You know what babies look like when you're going really fast? Play-Doh. I don't like it. That was bad. Uh, there's a few other times that they did some stuff like that and it looked bad. It's just... Mm, that, that, and it's so early in the movie, too. It's so early in the movie. And, you know, you'd heard rumblings that it looks weird and the CGI is off. And you're like, it's probably not that bad. You know, the director says it's artistic choice and all this other shit. And then you see that scene and you're like. Oh, I am in for a rough ride. If they are have the audacity to have it looking that bad early in the movie. Oh, that was her. And then, like I said, that the time travel mechanic that looked bad also. Like I said, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. 
it looked bad. Uh, there is a Nicolas Cage cameo in this movie. Uh, for those that don't know, Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman. And Superman lives. There's even a uh, costume test and all that stuff. And that's what they, they designed it on was the, his, like that picture of him with the long hair and he's wearing the Superman suit. They designed it off of that. Um, and then they crossed that with a script that uh, Kevin Smith wrote that had S- Superman fighting a giant spider. Because the producer specifically requested a gigantic spider fight. So they combined those two like versions of Superman that we never actually got, but kind of exist in our imaginations. We got to see it. And you want to know how this movie fucks it up? Did you know? And I just found this out recently. Nicolas Cage actually filmed scenes with him in the Superman costume for this movie. And they went. Interesting. Huh. We shouldn't use the live action Nicolas Cage that we have right in front of us right now doing this. We need to make it look like shit like all these other ones. So let's do that and reanimate on top of it with the shitty filter. What a fucking waste. And to me, it's just very indicative of this movie. I mean, hey, why are you also going back to the uh, George Reeves Superman? And also a flash that I think. Christopher Reeves, you mean? No. No, the other one. And and his name, George Reeves? Yeah, George Reeves, the the black and white one. They go to the the black and white Superman. Oh, okay. I thought his name was Christopher Reeves. No, no, no. no. Christopher Reeves is also in it. Oh, I see. The black and white one was George Reeves. That's who Ben Affleck played in Hollywoodland. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yes. My bad. I forgot that was his name. Yes. And then Christopher Reeves is in it with what's her name as as, uh, Supergirl. Both of them looking like adult people that are covered in Play-Doh. I'll say that they looked better than the babies, but they still had a hint of Play-Doh to them. Uh, then, you know, they tack on Adam West just, you know, because they can. And I'm like, just so they could peek into these other universes. And I'm like, and to me, that's like a version. And like some of that is like a version of what they did to me in, in Spider-Man No Way Home. It's just like, hey, guys, you remember all these Batman and Superman that you liked in the past? Look at them now again in our movie. It's kind of like what I thought they did with, you know, the spider people. And they're like, hey, guys, you remember Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? You liked them as Spider-Man. Here they are again. Yeah, like our movie. Oh, But they did it way better than that. And like I said, I, I am super sorry to that movie. Like literally just earlier today, I'm I'm scrolling around on TikTok as I'm one to do. And they had that little scene where, you know, uh, they accidentally summoned the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. You know, she's like, do the spider thing. She's like, do you have the tingle? Yeah. And he's like, I've got the tingle. 
And then she throws the bread at him. And he's like, I don't have a tingle for bread. And I'm like looking at that and I'm like, yeah, that was a good scene. Why was I so yeah. hard on it? And then I'm scrolling around on TikTok and then they showed the scene like another because, you know, you watch one thing that TikTok goes, oh, we're going to show you all of this now ever. And, you know, they showed the scene where they're all talking about the web shooters. I'm like, that was a good scene, too. The Flash did not do this well. They just kind of have poorly animated versions of people that are mostly dead. Just so they could shove them in a movie. So it's this weird form of Play-Doh CGI fucking necromancy. Just to have a dumb scene in your movie. They're ultimately doesn't matter. And once again, like Spider-Man, they've got time travel. Well, I guess time travel isn't really a thing in that universe, but you know, multiple universes, all this other shit, they kind of imply that in this and all this other stuff. And with all that, they, uh, you know, you get to the fact that, It just doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you get villains from the past again with Zod yeah. and all this other stuff. When ultimately the villain is himself. <laughs> yeah. Kind Anyone of see that coming? After school bullshit was that? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering why, like, in the moment when like he's when he's in the you know flash thing and he's like going through time or whatever and he sees the thing and it knocks him down or whatever knocks him into a specific time like why why was it he why didn't barry mention that to other barry like it just he didn't even say a word about it i think it's just because he didn't know what it was like and there are things like that in the comics you've got Reverse Flash, you've got, you know, what's his name, Zoom. You've got, you know, these characters that kind of live or manipulate the Speed Force and all this other stuff. And I think that they were kind of implying that. I think that they were originally planning for that to be a villain later. And I think because they're scrapping this universe, they kind of have to. They had to make it bury in this to kind of resolve that story. Cause I do think that that was almost meant to be reverse flash. And I'm not the, the largest of, of flash fans, but I do love reverse flash. Reverse flash is a villain be that is petty to a degree that I respect. Um, in the com- well, it's very recent in the comics, but in general, it's now it's more or less recognized that reverse flash is the one that went back in time to kill Barry's mom because he wants him to, he wants the tragedy to make, you know, the flash to be better. And, but it's also, he's petty to the degree of like, Oh, I went back in time and moved your table. So you stubbed your toe on it when you were six. Ha ha. Fuck you. Oh, he's fucking (laughs) glorious like that. 
He's like, every bad thing that has ever happened to you in your entire life was me going back in time and fucking with you. Wow. Like, God, I love that level of villainy. You've got all the powers of the Flash and all you do is just go around and fucking with the guy his entire life. Oh, that's fucking fantastic. Like, if you're going to have that's a villain have the same powers your your superhero does, you know, so they're like, oh, it's this, but like, oh, I love that. It's just mm, chef's kiss. Glorious. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, Michael Shannon's in this. Kind of. I mean... I felt like they just kind of took outtakes from Made of Steel and just, you know, photoshopped some other people into it. Like, and then you have Michael Keaton, Batman, somehow, what, holding his own against, what's his name, Ursa or whatever the fuck the big Kryptonian is. Yeah. It's just a whole new level of bullshit. Uh, But I mean, with all this, like the Barry Allen character, I get that the the whole point is that one of them is more mature because they've been living in a world where their mom died and, you know, they've had superpowers and they had to do the great power, great responsibility bullshit and then you have the one that's just like a perpetual stoner kid. But at what point while they're filming this and everybody's on set, like people had to be annoyed, right? Because the, the way they did that dynamic was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, too, when you're looking at it, when they're both on screen at the same time and they're looking at you, the one that's further back than the other one is the one that is digitally replaced. Mm-hmm. And it's so fucking obvious. <laughs> yeah. But that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, Justin, well, uh, what are your spoilery thoughts about this movie? Okay, well, I I definitely agree with what you were saying about the CGI. To me, that's the weakest element of this movie is the CGI. I was going to say some of the exact same things that, that you said. That baby scene at the beginning, some of that looks really, really shoddy. The time travel effects, yeah, I... There there were definitely some things. I, I was even watching it with a friend, and I was like, this CGI looks bad. <laughs> like, I mean, we even kind of made a comment mid-movie about the CGI looking bad. Like, for me, that was the weakest element of this movie. Also, this is just kind of a, a nitpick or a pet peeve, I guess. I don't really like the way Flash Flash's run is depicted. I don't like how he sort of waves his arms and it, it, it looks weird when he waves his arms and it's all doing the slow, but he's supposed to be fast, but his body's moving. Like I get what it's supposed to be, 
But I don't know. I just felt like he ran weird. I was like, who runs like this? And I get he's a superhero and he's got super speed and all of that good stuff. But I don't know. I just found his run to look weird. I was just like, I just kept thinking in my head, just run like an Olympian or something. Like just run with your hands. You know, I just, I don't know. I just, it, it just, he just looks weird the way his hand, the way his arms are waving as he's running. I, I don't know. It's just, it just looked so weird or maybe it was the slow, but he's supposed it was the slow motion of what was happening with the special effects, but he's supposed to, but we know that he's going fast. I don't know. Something about that just bothered me. The visual of that just bothered me. So, but, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. I, I would say that the CGI was definitely subpar in this movie. And part of it probably just is because they know this isn't going to lead to any sequels. They know that this really isn't going anywhere. So they're just like, eh, it looks all right. It looks good enough. We'll just release it on that. And honestly, it it just, it definitely needed to be better. Um, You know, we've, I think we've talked enough about the whole Lasso of Truth part at the beginning, but seeing Aflac and Gal Gadot, I, it it th- that was a very fun beginning, and honestly, I missed them. The rest of this movie, it really sucked that there wasn't a way to kind of, you know, incorporate them somehow at the end of this. And I get that this is a flash movie. I get that this is. Barry's story, but I don't know. I really missed them when they weren't in the movie. And those and those little moments at the beginning just sort of reminded me of why I liked them so much. And I was like, damn, man, it sucks that this is. And, and I knew s- sitting there watching it, I was like, man, this is probably the only scenes I'm going to get with these guys. And that sucks. I really like them. Uh and so for a moment, I just kind of had a bad thought, like, man, I'm going to miss them, and that sucks. But just to talk about more of the movie and what what was going on with Barry, there were some parts where I, it, it got a genuine laugh out of me, like him trying to, he, you know, this girl that he likes and invites, she's invited over. And he's trying to use his super speed to clean up everything. And I thought it was kind of funny how he's trying to play cool and trying to be, you know, trying to impress her and stuff is falling out of closets or he phases himself through a wall and grabs some alcohol or whatever. And then because of the phasing effect, right when he opens it, it just sprays out all over him and stuff like that. And I'm not going to lie. And then there was an awkward pause. And you could tell that she was like, damn, but she kept talking, trying to ignore it. And he's just sitting there looking so awkward. I thought that that was a funny scene because it felt kind of real to what might happen. Like somebody weighs something or somebody does something and, you know, you're trying not to bring attention to it. So you keep talking. I have totally been that person where somebody, some awkward shit kind of happens and I'm trying to ignore it, even though it's hella awkward and just keep talking. But really, 
I was like, damn, man, that really just happened. I've totally done that at times. So I just found that situation funny. Like, of course, everything goes wrong when you're you're trying to impress somebody that you like. So I don't know. I kind of like that scene. Uh, What Heather alluded to, the movie references and different actors changing and stuff like that. You know, some of those little things and those little tidbits in this movie, I I thought were funny. You know, I thought that it had some genuinely funny moments that made me laugh and everything like that. And this movie, it, it never got to me. It never drastically changed its tone to where it was like, hey, this is super serious and you need to take everything serious that's happening and stuff like that. I felt like there was a tonal integrity, if you will. It was it was kind of this funny throughout kind of lighthearted story. And I know that sometimes these these superhero movies sometimes struggle with their balance of that. And and surprisingly, I don't think that this one did. I think that the tone with Barry that that started at the beginning of the movie was pretty much the tone that it kept throughout the movie. And even when it got serious or there was or there was a heartfelt moment that the movie was trying to have, I thought that they always still sort of brought it back to comedy or something funny would happen or some character would say something kind of funny. So I think it uh, sort of did its job in that way and probably led to why I enjoyed more of it than I hated, I guess you could say. I I, I just want to point out something with, with what you just directly said. Yeah. I think that that kind of showcases maybe why you liked this and I didn't. I never thought it went back to funny. Hmm. I never thought okay. it was funny. The, like I said, the one joke I liked was the Batman being a, like it, it's stealing from the, the blue beetle trailer where it's Batman is a fascist because he is. Um, but yeah, when Batman's like, I'm the problem with Gotham because I do all this bullshit and, and attack poor people. And instead of, you know, fighting the systemic reasons that crime exists and all this other stuff. Outside of that, I didn't really find much humor in this movie. So to me, it never dipped back into humor. It dipped back into pointless. Because I knew they were trying to be funny. But I'm just sitting there like, mm, whatever, you know, like it kind of, I think that that really kind of does, you know, like temper, you know, how much you like this movie. If, if you think it's funny, I could see where you would get more benefit from those scenes and maybe enjoy it a lot more than I did where I was curmudgeonly sitting there like an old man just going, this isn't fucking funny. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. And, and comedy is such a, um, it is it, such like a selective medium. It's, it's so very subjective. up to, yeah, it's very subjective. It's so up to interpretation and stuff like that. So I think because this is a more comedic 
superhero movie, a lot of it rides on that. A lot of it is a gamble to, are you going to find this funny and comedic? And yeah, I could totally see your enjoyment being based on whether you laughed at any of the scenes or not, because constantly that's what it's trying to do. That's what the baby in the microwave and all that stuff was about. That's what the whole awkward stuff is about with with Barry. That's what the whole thing with the girl he liked was about. The, you know, the, the scenes with him and younger version Barry, where he's trying to tell him all these things, but younger Barry is annoying and won't listen to him and stuff like that. And, you know, the part where he goes, man, now I understand why the whole Justice League thinks I'm annoying because <laughs> I am. And him sort of having that experience with himself and realizing that. So, like, I thought that, and I don't know, that kind of worked for me. Like, that whole thing of him trying to tell his younger self the importance of things and these things need to happen. But as that journey was going on, the character was kind of learning about himself. So I didn't think the story was that bad in that way. I, I think that when you look at it as a, a character journey, it hit those beats, I thought, uh, pretty effectively. And then whenever Michael Keaton is in the movie and, and, and he gets to do his thing and what he's doing, I, I thought he had some funny moments, too. Like when he first meets up with Barry or whenever he's kind of uh, do, doing the explanation about the multiverse and he's using spaghetti as a metaphor for the multiverse and stuff like that. I think Michael Keaton was just great in this. He was, entered, you know, I mean, the movie was was, I thought, doing OK. But then when he got there, I thought that things really stepped up when Batman 89 got involved, I really enjoyed the fight scene with him when they went to uh, where Supergirl was being held, that Russian yeah. rocket compound. That was a great action scene. Might have been the best one in the movie. was just that scene with him and him knocking out those henchmen and stuff like that. So I liked all of that. And of course that... That music, that the the Batman theme, it was coming in at different times, and not not only was that nostalgic, but it, it it was just very nice to hear that. It was just nice to hear that again and see Batman doing some stuff. So all of that was cool. Well, they did have um, Danny Elfman come back and do that. So yeah, which I thought was great that that they had the original composer come back and do that. So. Definitely that was a nice touch. You know, it, it not only hit all those nostalgic notes, but Michael Keaton really tried. He really tried to have a good, to bring a good Batman to this. And so I liked all of that. I liked how he was fighting. I liked his interactions with Barry uh, as well. So I just thought that the movie really picked up whenever we got him. And uh, Sasha Kale, who plays um, Kara in this, Supergirl, I I like her. I mean, I can't say that her performance was great in this movie, but I like the actress. She's kind of cool, man. I think she has a good look. 
What else was she ever in? I don't know. Has she been? I was going to ask y'all, has she been in other stuff? Or I don't know if I've seen her in, in anything else or anything like that. But I don't know what it is. She just had a presence, man. And I really liked her. I, I really liked her. They decided to just kind of go the route of, okay, she's Supergirl, but really she's just the Clark in this. So the whole story is pretty much the same and stuff like that. And the only kind of tidbit we got was her interaction with Zod, where Zod was like basically telling you that kal was killed with him trying to do experimentations and stuff like that. And that was kind of the only story tidbit we got. And, there were a few scenes with her, like when she flies off and stuff like that. And then she comes, she decides ultimately decides to come back and help them. All of that was fine. Nothing offensive about it or anything like that. I just wish she had more. I think she, she, she was, I liked her, man. It was just something about her, man, her presence. She looks good. I I just, she looked good in the suit. I, I just liked that. I liked her. So I'm kind of sad that that will be the last, excuse me, version of her doing Supergirl that we will see. You know, that's kind of sad because I think she has potential. There are talks that she might be doing a Supergirl movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, good. See, maybe somebody else saw what I saw. Like she did well enough, even though she didn't have much in this movie. She did well enough to make an impression on someone, I guess. So I, 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 and you know what? If she gets that opportunity, great, because I see it, man. I see it. She, she has something for sure. She didn't get to show it all in this movie, but I didn't need to see much to know that Sasha has something. Uh, other than that, um, so we get to the end of this movie. All this fighting is going on and stuff like that. And I, Kind of like the resolution. You know, I like the idea of there being this one flash of the, the younger flash wanting to go back all of these times trying to fix this mistake and thinking if I just keep going back and changing something, uh, it'll fix the mistake. And yeah, I figured out about midway through that. You know, I mean, right when you see him coming back all these times and these blades are accumulating, which I get that that's a bit silly, these blades just accumulating each time. And, yeah, you could sit there and pick that apart and ask, how did that happen? But I did like this idea of the other Flash thinking of the younger, inexperienced, kind of bright-eyed Flash thinking that he could just go back and fix this problem. And, the, and him sort of doing repeatedly what our Flash thought that he could do at the beginning of this premise. All of that, I thought, was pretty solid storytelling. And then the, just this idea that he sort of became the, the villain within the time travel, so to speak. And yeah, I saw it coming. I figured it out. Oh, okay, he's the one who punched the Flash earlier in the movie when we saw this armored thing punch him when he was time traveling at the beginning, I put two and two together and was like, okay, that's him. But I totally agree with you, Sterling. I don't know much about the flash, but I do know who the reverse flash is. 
And I almost thought that whenever um, they, you know, he gave Barry back the original costume and he was starting to use Batman's suit and make his own costume, I totally thought it was going to be yellow with some red. And I was like, oh, is he going to do, are they going to do like the reverse flash thing? And they did, and then I was like, damn. So even I was thought that was coming. That's a missed opportunity to have the Barry from this universe be your reverse Flash. Yeah, that they totally could have done that there. And if at the end it was, and maybe the way you could have had a cool reveal for that is, instead of showing this armored thing punch him, what if you just saw a blur go by and punch him and he got hit and it was so fast he didn't even realize what it was. And he was like, you know, he just gets hit by a blur and he's like, what was that? And that would have been so cool if at the end of that, that was the reverse flash. I, th- I think that that would have been hella cool. That that would have been definitely cooler than what we got. Because I don't know much about flash, but I do know the reverse flash. So even I thought. That might have been coming. Uh, But I did like overall. I mean, yes, the execution was not the best, but I like the idea of it. I like the fact that we were going back and forth trying to fix it. I liked the realization that he had that this can't be fixed, that that that, you know, what I actually have to do is let go. I can't save my mom and I've got to let go of that. And so whenever we're back at the supermarket and he's got to, you know, uh, change everything back and do the tomato can thing again and everything. And the talk that he has with his mom and everything and the realization that he's going to have to let this go, that worked for me. I, I liked that better than it being there's this villain we got to stop or there's this thing we have to do or if we do this thing, it fixes everything suddenly. Because, you know, I'm sitting there the whole time going, how does beating Zod fix any of this? How does stopping these villains do anything for this? Like, at first, I was just like, man, this movie is so misguided. Like, why are we fighting Zod and why is this happening, you know? And even though some of it was kind of cool, like Batman using claymores and sticking claymores and remote bombs to Kryptonian soldiers and stuff, which is something he has totally done in the comics. So that was kind of cool to see that. I think there was a comic where they fought an army of doomsdays and he was was just bombing the fuck out of some doomsdays. Yeah. And they were like, and they weren't, now people, before you get mad, they weren't like the Doomsday. I think they were like low-level-ass clones and shit. So they don't have his ability to, like, resurrect or his durability or his special ability that whatever he's died from can't kill him again. Yeah, they were like Doomsday clones that Zod made and something like that. And he was just, yeah, putting bombs on all of them and just exploding them and shit. But visually speaking... It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, and and again, even in those scenes with Zod and everything, the, the CGI was still shoddy at times. So even though I wasn't exactly 
loving what I was seeing and was enjoying certain parts of it. Still, the CGI just every now and then just rears its ugly head. So it just, you know, you couldn't fully enjoy any of those scenes because it just wasn't rendered the best. I just, I don't know what else to say about it. But anyway, last thing I'll say about it is I did enjoy that resolution and and the character realizing that this was no way to solve this problem and he wasn't going to fix anything doing this. And the real lesson that has to be learned is you have to let go. All of that I thought was good. I thought that that was actually a solid resolution for this character based on the journey that we got. And I thought that all of that was acceptable storytelling. However, then we have this big realization, but then we turn right around and in the situation with his dad, he still goes back and changes something, you know, he still goes back after the, you you have this big realization and everything like that. And then you sort of did away with it because the character still changes something in time, you know what I mean? The, the the character changes something in time. And I almost just had wished that he had figured something else out about the security camera footage for his dad, or maybe there was something that was missing, or maybe because B- Bruce was there now, he saw something in the footage that Barry didn't know or something like that, you know, or Cyborg sends him another Cyborg, you know, who we don't see, but Maybe he gets something in the mail and Cyborg has doctored the footage and now we can prove his father's innocence. I just wish we didn't have to go back on the realization we learned and then change something else. And even though at the end it was they they kind of played it for laughs and at the end, you know, you see George Clooney, which I thought was a cool cameo. I thought that that was cool. Didn't expect to see him. And I thought that was kind of cool how at the end we even got to see that version of Batman. So I thought that that was kind of funny. But still, you wiped the complete existence of Affleck Batman. So now he like (laughs) either doesn't exist anymore or you're now living in a totally different timeline. You know, it just raised a bunch of problems and a bunch of questions and you sort of like, I think you created kind of a genuine realization with your character. And then you just sort of immediately went back on that just for a laugh. And that kind of felt like you sort of damaged the integrity of your story uh, with that. Um, and I'll, and then uh, probably the real last thing I'll say is all the other cameos that they did where you get to see the flashes of the Nicolas Cage and stuff. And yeah, after I read about that, the whole idea with Nicolas Cage and the Mech Spider and stuff like that, I was like, okay, that was kind of cool. I kind of appreciated more about that after that. And seeing the classic Superman, the Christopher Reeves, the George Reeves and all of that kind of stuff and the Supergirl, you know, all of that was fun. You know, it was just a moment. It was just a flash, uh, of, so to speak, of it what wasn't really offended by any of that at all. It didn't know none of that overstayed its welcome. You know, it was fine just seeing those few glimpses of things, but yeah, overall, I guess that kind of are the things that sort of attributed to 
why I enjoyed this more than I hated it. It just, I thought that it, it, I laughed at a lot of the parts of the movie. And then I just thought that at the end, um, I enjoyed the character journey for the most part uh, for what it was in the film. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I first uh, do want to say I agree about uh, Supergirl. I really liked her. Um, She was not in this a whole lot, but I don't know. There was something about what she did with the screen time she did have that I appreciated. Like she had that, um, you know, very, you know, surreal, like, you know, still waters run deep type of thing about her. And she just had this like urgency and this earnestness about, you know, her performance. And I really liked it. So I agree. I think that she was a good addition, but also to that point, we we could have used more of her. Because there was this whole thing about we got to go rescue her. We got to go save her and all of this. And then, you know, um, she helps save them. She helps them get to where they need to be and all of that. And then um, it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> so I that's what I didn't really like about it. But um, but yeah, I, I think that she was a good character. I think she she portrayed Supergirl really well. And I, I liked it. So. Um, if they did do a movie about her, I would be fine with that. I really would be. But yeah, I think um, a big part of like, again, the whole idea of Barry in this movie, just yeah, his his younger version is extra annoying. But his like, even his like more adult version is still kind of annoying. And, and, you know, you just feel like he's just so... Um, I don't know what the word would be like, just so frazzled all the time. And when he's talking, when he's doing anything and just a very anxious ridden person. And that's fine because I could be an anxious ridden person, but it's just the way that, you know, he talks to people and the way that he just, his mentality when he's like that is just very like, it's hard to root for him sometimes. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that that was a a big problem for me throughout a lot of this movie. Now I do like the idea in general of um, just the ripples that our, our actions can cause. And one small change to something we've done can completely change the course of something else. I think that's a really cool concept. Um, I do think that there were moments that I, I liked what they did with it, like with the whole, just the can of tomato sauce or whatever, or the can of tomatoes, that's the only thing that you got to change. There's not too much interaction there. It's just a quick, like put it in her basket and we're good. Like the idea of, you know, that like being like, okay, nothing like that should change anything and whatever, but it still did. And, um, it was just interesting because, you know, you really don't think about how, you know, we think, oh yeah, if we change the one thing, everything would be so much better, but it's like, in reality, would it be, You know what I mean? So I I liked the idea of that with this movie. And yeah, you do feel for Barry with the whole story about his mom's death and, you know, his dad being framed for it. And that's a compelling story in and of itself. But um, it, it just not that it didn't feel like the stakes were that high, but it just felt like. The, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Sterling, like the emotional pull of the movie needed to be a little bit more because I'll be honest, like the trailer for this movie was amazing. 
and the trailer itself actually pulled a little bit more emotion out of me than the movie in general did just because they put all of the good moments of the emotion in the trailer I feel like so yeah I I think that it could have just had a little bit more um you, you just feel the weight of what's actually happened a little bit more than we did I would have liked that and I also would have liked more Batfleck I just I really like him and as Batman I think he was good here he was in it so little but even the small amount of time that he's there he has a presence about him and he's very just there's something about him as as the Bruce Wayne side and all of that and yeah his whole thing with Wonder Woman was really funny um although I just think it's very I'm not sure how I feel yet about these random Gal Gadot cameos and everything lately. <laughs> it feels like she's had so many back to back and like she was, she had that cameo in Shazam. She had the cameo here. She had the cameo in fast. Like she's just cameoing all over the place right now. So, you know, and, and it's fine, I think, but it's just, I, I'm not sure what they're doing with that. <laughs> like She doesn't have enough of <laughs> in the story for you to feel like it matters that she made that cameo. It's just that they wanted her to be there. It feels like more than anything else, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I think, um, again, yeah, Michael Keaton was definitely the, the, the best thing about this movie. And he, he brought more of the emotional range than anybody else did, I think. Um, and I also liked the fact that when they had that fight, when they were getting out, um, Supergirl, the gadgets and everything that he was using um, with his suit and his everything, like putting his wings up to protect with the bullets and, you know, just all of the all of the fun gadgets that he used to help get them out of there. I thought it was used very in a very smart way. And I really liked that because it takes you back to like old school Batman. So I, I appreciated the the practicality of like the different gadgets he was actually using um so yeah I thought that was really cool um and then like the I don't know I feel like the while the story is mostly predictable I feel like um yeah I I do think that I don't know I I feel like it was predictable and while in the story of Barry as the Flash in general it was a huge you know, catalyst and a huge moment for him. But I'm trying to think of in the whole spectrum of superheroes and the DCU and everything like that. What is this movie actually doing? Like what the end of this movie, what is it actually amounting to? Is it going to amount to anything? You know, was it just a one-off thing? And of course, with all the back and forth of the movies and what's being, release and what's not like you just you know you never really know but I just feel like the the ending of it was yeah it felt like everything everything that felt like it was high stakes was only high stakes for like a minute and then you feel like there wasn't really any so I don't know I feel like it kind of just it it almost kind of felt like that dream within a dream or like the even the like it's a wonderful life thing of this is what my life would be like. And I get to be a, you know, 
an audience member and what's happening in my life if it went this way instead of this way. But I just think that it, it could have just been done in a way where you feel like Barry was actually a little bit more affected at the end of everything. And I feel like that piece was a little bit missing from the whole thing. Um, and I agree. I think the whole tooth thing was weird. I have no idea why they did the broken tooth thing in there. Um, but they did have, they did have some humorous moments. Like when, (laughs) when Barry realizes that he's no longer the flash and he's trying to run, I thought it was pretty funny. Like he ran into that wall and then he's like trying to run really fast and he looks ridiculous trying to run. Like I thought that was kind of funny. And then, um, my, I, I think the best bit of the whole thing was, yeah, the whole like, um, Oh, Marty McFly. That's not Jamie, uh, Michael J. Fox. Sorry. And you know, he's like, everybody's just a different iconic character than they are in our world. And I thought that was a funny thing where they're like, Michael J. Fox. Oh, you mean the guy from Footloose and like just all, everything's different in that realm too. And I thought that was kind of like a funny little bit that they did in the movie. Um, so yeah, I thought that was probably the funniest joke that they kind of had running throughout the film. Um, yeah, and I think that I, I I liked the mom fine. I think the mom was a good character. Um, you 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 understand the his um, adornment of her with how kind and generous she seemed to be, and you know, obviously it's it's his mom. So of course, you know, that's going to be a impactful thing when, when his mom dies and that, yeah. So it's, I I think she was a good character and I think his dad, uh, what's his name? John, John Livingston, I think is his name who played the dad. Um, in this movie, in this movie. Yeah. Cause it wasn't before, right? Billy Crudup and the other ones. Which, you know, he's great too. So either way, (laughs) but um, but yeah, I, I liked him. I liked his character in this too. Like, I liked his character a lot too, but and you just kind of see these, like the reason why Barry is so just like has such high praise for his parents in this, in this movie. So yeah, I don't know. I think, this, it was entertaining enough, but it just wasn't anything. I don't know. I, there are this elements to it that I think could have been done in a better way to make it a more impactful film or meaningful film. I mean, to be fair, I didn't hate Supergirl's performance in this. She's just in the movie for three minutes. Yeah, that's the only problem with it, really. I don't really know if it's good or bad. It's three minutes. I don't know what it is, you know. I mean, I, there was one other scene I did kind of chuckle at, and, I, and Justin kind of alluded toward it. It was in the escaping from the Russian prison. It's when Batman was using the 1980s technology. So he puts like the bombs on the bottom of it and he does the thing just like he did to Vicky Vale in 1989 when he's like, how much do you weigh? Cause he's oh, doing yeah. quick ass math, you know, with a like he has the fucking tape measure 
He's doing quick ass math to put how much explosive to get how high up, you know. So I did chuckle a little bit at that because that's a throwback to 1989 Batman with how much do you weigh, you know. Although that was interesting to me because I'm like, they they want us to believe that Supergirl's 80 pounds based on She the is math. 80 pounds in that scene, yes. Right. It's, I'm like, and I get, yeah, that she's like not full Supergirl in that moment, but I'm like, 80 pounds, that's it? I don't know about that. Well, since Kryptonians get their energy and their, technically it's just their energy from a yellow sun. You know, they have the powers, but they can't, you know, do anything with it. They need to be energized. They need the power from the sun to use those powers and all that shit. Um, it would be the equivalent of starving somebody for decades and barely giving them. And since they have enhanced physiology, you know, okay. it, the argument is, yeah, is maybe okay. she didn't eat anything and get any sunlight or any energy or whatever for, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, so she is withered away. Until she gets in the sun, and then that's whenever, like... Okay. They do yeah. the thing where it shows her hand there in the snow, and then as the sun passes it, you see, like, her veins and bones kind of go away a little bit, and her skin normalizes. Cause it's now, would contact. it happen that fast? Like, in comics and stuff, does it happen that fast? They are wildly inconsistent with Kryptonians, you know? Yeah. As they're growing, like, you know, when Croak... When and when uh, Kal-El, Clark Kent is here as a baby, you know, he's not flying around and lasering people instantly. You know, for whatever reason, Kryptonian physiology means you need to go through puberty before you get powers. Um, but but they and they've done that with like the, the Kryptonian kids and all this other stuff. It's just apparently when you're an adult, the second you get hit by even the singlest of yellow sun rays. You instantly know how to fly, shoot lasers, freezing breath. You can do everything with zero practice whatsoever. Just because you are an adult. <laughs> They've been doing that with Kryptonians, I don't know, forever. Almost, I think, since they introduced Zod, I want to say. Because, um, I mean, that hasn't been why, like, yes, Superman's been Kryptonian the whole time. But they never made it like his powers were from the yellow sun until they had to have a reason for his powers. I mean, originally Superman couldn't fly. That whole can leap taller or uh, can leap a tall building in a single bound. That used to be what he could do. He couldn't fly. He could jump really high and really far. But then they gave him flight. Uh, Clark also had, or, you know, uh, Superman also used to have a power where he could shoot a mini puppet of himself out of his hand. Very little known Superman power from the 1950s or 60s. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. People thought, like, people were on to Clark and thought he might be Superman. So he shot a puppet of himself that was tiny. But it was like a forced perspective thing when people looked up. They were like, oh, that's Superman right there. He's just really high up in the air. It's not a tiny Superman. It's a far away Superman. And they're like, but Clark's right here. Oh, man, I guess Clark isn't it. Yep. Those glasses throw everybody off somehow. Uh, the, the comic explanation for that is that Kryptonian physiology, when they want to, can make themselves seem slightly different, like physically. 
Hmm. Okay. So when people look at Clark Kent, the Kryptonian physio- physiology literally means they do not see him as we do in the comics. Like they're not seeing the same person. Hmm. Um, I do like the explanation that as Clark Kent, he just kind of bumbles around and is just so super nerdy and unsure and whatever that it's not that people don't think he looks like Superman. They just don't conceive how such a bumbling idiot could be Superman. Like it messes with people's perception that way. But yes, comic book speaking, his Kryptonian physiology fucks with your eyeballs. I see. You know, okay. Comics. Sure. They be comic. (laughs) Comics be comic. Yep. Yeah. Well, they be giving Superman stuff all the time. Like he is notorious for just suddenly having a new power or just suddenly being able to do something. Yeah. Or there being a new kryptonite or man, he is notorious for just suddenly having some shit that he needs to win the, 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 the situation like the, the, anytime they do like a versus battle, who would win out of him and somebody else that's what a lot of people wind up saying is that really Superman is kind of a limitless character. You know, he has pushed the earth before, you know, he freaking, I think stuck something to a chain and stuck it on earth and then was pulling earth or something like that, which would just cause all kinds of catastrophic damage. If you just pushed the earth, but you know, he did it and he saved the world. I want to say there was another comic where him and Wonder Woman lifted a book and the book weighed infinity or some shit like that. Like, like, like there's just these crazy things that he does. And and, Oh, go ahead. There's a version of Superman that went and lived on the surface of the sun and came back gold. I mean, yeah, yeah. And and, and 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 this isn't even the strongest version of Superman. There's a Superman Prime that is made of pure, like, sunlight energy or some shit like that. And he's got godlike powers, can read minds, can do all of this kind of stuff. Wow. I mean, he can there punch is a, a whole space and time itself. Like, yeah, he can punch a mm. whole, he can punch <laughs> through the multiverse. Yeah. that's why like and this is a random nerd anime argument but but this is why when people say Goku of Dragon Ball Z can beat Superman they're crazy like if you took the strongest version of Superman and the strongest version of just about anybody else Superman Prime beats him probably just about I mean that's the thing Goku's at a disadvantage He's only got a couple of decades of them supermanning him randomly throughout the series. Superman yeah. has decades of it. Yeah, decades. Decades, decades. And that's and that's what it is, you know. It, it, the, the, they said who wins when you take a limitless person and you put them against a person who has to overcome their limits. Well, only one has limits in the first place. <laughs> so, so. And let's the, not the forget, wo- <laughs> in the early 2000s, they introduced pink kryptonite, which makes him gay. 
What? See, I didn't even know that was a thing. It makes all Kryptonians gay. Uh, oh. I want to say it came out in 2002. Um, but it's not like, you know, like that was DC's way of being like, oh, we're okay with gay people. But whenever they made Superman gay, they were like, oh, you're also going to be just every stereotype of a gay person ever. Like, I was about to go. He likes My Jimmy God. Olsen instead of Lois. He comments on window decorations, you know, and all this shit. And it's just like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, you know, that was progressive wow. for like 1962. Like, it's nothing. Um, but yes, I mean, Superman, anything they've conceivably ever done in a comic book, they've also done with Superman. I mean, there's an episode of South Park where they're talking about The Simpsons. And everything Butters tries to do, there's that one guy that's just going, Simpsons did it. Like, just saying there's nothing original that Butters can do because Simpsons have done everything. It's kind of that way with comic books and Superman. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what, Pretty he, much. He debuted, I want to say, in 1938, something like that. Originally just as Superboy, but Yeah. He also made Jimmy Olsen dig his own grave once just to teach him a lesson. The 60s wow. were dark, man. It was Batman and Superman. They made Robin and Jimmy Olsen dig their own graves because they were like, yep, we're going to put you in the graves just to fuck with them. Batman, I want to say in the 1960s or 70s, also hung a man who was mentally challenged because he was like, well, he doesn't know any better, and that's why he was a villain. But also, killing him would be the humane thing to do. Comics be dark back in the day. Everybody thinks that like comics are crazy now with the levels of darkness they did. They used to do shit like that on a regular basis in the 60s. Just mm. dark-ass bullshit. Wow. And also just people beating women constantly. Yep, that definitely was happening. And quickly back to Superman, but that's another reason why he's kind of, especially as I grew older, I think when I was younger, I loved Superman. Like, like he could just do no wrong in my eye. I just loved him and thought that he was just the ultimate, the best, the strongest superhero. I mean, if you're a kid, you, you know, and he's the strongest and the best, you're going to gravitate to probably the best one. So when I was a kid, he could do no wrong. But I did notice that as I grew older and was still reading comics, I found his stories to be less interesting. And it's because he can do everything. So he can be a very good challenge to write an interesting story and stuff like that. Because a lot of times it's not about his powers. It's about his morals and his decisions and things that he cares about and stuff like that. And sometimes he has this problem and you can't help but think, well, why doesn't he just fix the problem? He can be very hard to write for, but I will say this. One of my favorite stories, the, the kingdom come Superman story is, is I think one of the best stories in comics. I, I think it's up there. There's, I think that is one of the best stories. 
Yeah, there's nothing with Kingdom Come or nothing wrong with Kingdom Come, but there is a solo uh, Superman story. I want to say it's called For Tomorrow or something. And I don't think I've read that. That has one of the cooler scenes I've ever read with the Superman. Because at one point, the four elementals of Earth are all mad at Superman. So there's like fire, water, air, and, and Earth. And they're all mad at him. And they're like, you don't belong here. You're not from here. And you know what? We'll just kill every person on this Earth. So you'll fucking leave. Because we don't need people. And we don't want you here anymore. And that's all you care about is that. So we'll just kill everybody. And then what are you going to do? And, you know, implying that, you know, they'll kill Lois Lane, right? And Superman's like, all right, cool. If you do that, that's your prerogative. But if you do that, I will destroy this planet. I will burn the atmosphere. I will shatter the planet. I will destroy everything that composes you. And then I will just go somewhere else. So if that's what you want to do, do it. But you will no longer exist if you do it. Mm. And they're just like, man, whatever, fine, we won't do it. And they just like leave. I'm like, that was actually kind of badass. Like, Okay, that's pretty (laughs) damn cool. That's pretty damn cool. And I've never read for tomorrow, but I do think I remember at the time of it coming out, people saying it was good. So, but that's one that I didn't get to read. But, and I want to say there was an older Superman story that people, I can't remember the name of it, but there's another one that had to do with him and Lois that people I think used to say is good. But I just think he can be a very difficult character to write for because of his sort of like unfair, like super limitless power set. But, but if you do get the right writer, you can do some incredible stuff with him, you know? But anyway, back to it. Uh, Yeah. Supergirl just getting touched by one sunbeam and being full strength and powers and finding can do everything. Just like Superman, that's kind of actually on par with comics, mm-hmm. even though it's okay. dumb. But I don't yeah. think your cat agrees. <laughs> climbing my fucking backdrop. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I'm just sitting here, and all of a sudden, I see paws above my shoulder because he's fucking climbing it. <laughs> and he's way too big to be doing that. He is way too heavy to be fucking climbing shit. So don't be surprised if my entire backdrop falls because he's climbing this shit. (laughs) Anyway, somebody say something else while I stop him and then we'll end the episode. (laughs) Go ahead, Jason. Okay. Um, But no, But, but, but all that to say that um, does this Supergirl have a chance? Like, I just think really, I don't know. I, all I can say is there was just something about her presence on screen. I just yeah. liked it. I liked her yeah, being, she, she was potential. angry. She was angry most of the time. And she was so like angry about being imprisoned. Then when everything that happened with Zod, and 
I don't know. I liked her anger. I liked her intensity. There was just something about that. It wasn't the light kind of stoic Superman. It was this angry, like I've been through something. I'm mad and I'm gonna, and I finally got my powers back. I'm going to change my situation. Supergirl. And I liked it. I, I was just yeah. digging it. Even for that few moments, I, I got all of that from her performance, from Sasha's yeah. performance and was digging it. So, yeah, just I to agree. say that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it actually becomes anything. Uh, she was in Young and the Restless. I looked it up. Hmm. And then like a couple other like really like very indie film stuff that I've never heard of. Sure. I mean, I guess those are things. You guys got any more thoughts about this movie though? Nah. Nope. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the cinema slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Uh, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook. At Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok. At Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help, help us out. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo for our theme song. Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love all three of the Batman in this film. Burger King. I think Heather got it right. <laughs> Damn it. I was close. There was no was Burger close. King in this movie, Justin. It's the one shining light in all of this. I didn't see BK on it. <laughs> I bet that's the one thing Justin would like go back and change if he was the flash like make it to where burger king just was fine completely the funny thing is of course i would is that that'd be impossible oh come on don't say it they have an impossible whopper it's possible have you had the impossible whopper i saw it once i have actually eaten it it was wonderful, wasn't it? No. Don't answer. Damn it. It wasn't wonderful. <laughs> the worst thing about it is it tasted kind of like a Whopper. It didn't actually <laughs> taste like a Whopper, but the fact that they were trying to get it even close to that made it taste a little worse. Yikes. Yikes. Okay, maybe I wouldn't change the world view of Burger King, but I would at least have put it in the movie. Maybe after Supergirl got her got soaked with the sun, she would have went, I need an American cheeseburger. And she would have grabbed it like Tony Stark, you know, flew over a Burger mm. King and munch woofed that down really quick, like Tony Stark, and then went to Zod and been like, I'm ready for You're you right. now, Zod. I'm all f- flame broiled up. And he would have killed her even yeah. faster. <laughs> oh, come on. Nobody has eaten Burger King and gone on to do something great later. Just saying. Damn. You don't have evidence. Yeah, I do. 
What happened at the end of Iron Man? He ate a cheeseburger and then it ended. <laughs> Just saying. You, well, you haven't interviewed all the 10 people that go to Burger King. I don't need to. I'm just saying, you don't eat Burger King before you go do something great. So, I'm just saying, think back to the times in your life, Justin, and what you've done things that you were like, that was great. And think about how many times you ate Burger King right before them. And you'll find that it's never. (laughs) You are... Probably correct, but I'd like to think that there's, there's it's possible it might happen. And I'd like to think that I have six pack abs right now, but you know, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'd like to think keep, that when I log into my bank account, like right now, I'm going to have $97 million in it. There's lots of things I'd like to think. I'm just saying, man, I drive by there every day, and I know one day I'm going to eat it. There will be a car there. going to happen. <laughs> I feel like at this point you're using the fact that you drive by there as like a flex or something. <laughs> yeah, I drive by there every day, every single day. That's right, every day. <laughs> I, I don't miss. I always look at it when I drive by. I'm always so proud. One day I'm going <laughs> to pull in and kind of tell them, Hey, I'm so proud of the renovations. You guys keep up the great work. And, and to the single employee in there, because they're not busy, he's going to go, okay, do you do you want any food? And you're going to go, no, and leave. <laughs> Even if he were to be like, you know what, thanks for being nice. Here's some free food. You'd be like, nah. You'd be like, no need. That's still too much money. <laughs> <laughs> that would tarnish it. I would need to pay I need to pay BK. You would pay by service. eating it. Your taste buds would suffer greatly. There would be much payment for the the Burger King, Justin. <laughs> much payment. Oh, God. Man, Just, one of these days I'm going to get you to say something nice about BK. One of these episodes, it's going to happen. You're going to say something nice about BK. The nicest possible thing about Burger King that anyone could say is it technically still exists right now. A compliment of the highest regard. Just remember here at the Simba Slayer Podcast, we're both pro-slut and pro-Sydney. Justin is pro a place he doesn't fucking eat at. <laughs> and Why as I always... Call me out like that? I'm just saying, you don't. As always in this podcast, these TikToks, these YouTube videos, just remember, according to Justin... Moon Knight, not Burger King. Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. I resent that you said I don't fucking eat there. Like, it's not malicious. Yes, I don't eat there, but it's not malicious. It's not a I don't fucking eat. It's just more like, not today, but someday, you know? Cinema Slayer. I don't think it's that malicious. Until you eat there, Justin. It's you don't fucking eat there. Damn it. Come on, Heather. You loved it two decades ago. Back me up here. Chicken sticks. 
<laughs> fries. Chicken oh, fries. Oh, they're, they're, are they steaks or they're, they're fries? They are sticks, but they're called fries. <laughs> yeah. I was saying that because that's, that was the running joke that I always say the wrong thing on the one thing that I ever got there that I remember. And Justin eats yeah. her so infrequently, he doesn't actually know what they do serve or don't serve. Oh, man. Man. Poor BK. Yes, they are very poor. That's the problem. (laughs) Oh, man. He's got lit up, Sterling. What if they want to be a sponsor? I will kindly tell them to fucking be better than. A Slayer Whopper or something. They they, They could sponsor us. We could have a Slayer Whopper. Why would I want our podcast associated with fucking garbage? Oh. Oh, boy. Why would I want our podcast associated with something that you wouldn't even eat yourself, Justin? I drive by there daily, Sterling. That's got to mean something. No, it just means you live fucking close to it. That's all it means. You live by it. Or your works by it. That's all it means. I give it a proud gaze, though. I, I look at it proudly. But you don't proudly give it money or proudly eat its food. So just saying. <sighs> I guess I got to do it eventually. See, notice how you struggled saying that. Because you know it sucks. Your your mind might be tricked, but your body knows. That's why your body was choking to get those words out, struggling to even excel to to exhale the air across your vocal cords. I'm out.